More and more people in our country and in the world are awakening to the reality that we are all on the stage of the greatest spiritual battleground imaginable. I'm Dennis Peterson, and I'm so glad that you joined me today on Reclaiming Your Legacy. As the darkness of evil becomes increasingly invasive, the brightness of the light of God's truth and his righteousness becomes all the more apparent to those who have eyes to see. Unfortunately, we realize from recent history that people who have been pickled in mass media deception and coddled by a public indoctrination mindset that coddles the stubbornness to cling to their self-serving idolatry and wicked passions, those people are often too hardened to hear God's invitation to repent and receive the peace of eternal life. I'm reminded of one of the great confrontations to which God brought his people through the calling to confident faith upon his servant Elijah. It's ironic that similar to the spiritual dynamic of our present age, the wicked King Ahab operated under the seductive evil spirit of Jezebel, and that spirit mesmerized the people of Israel to the many vile lusts of carnally-minded man-pleasers. But God still had his faithful remnant of 7,000 prophetic witnesses secreted in the idolatrous nation of Israel. Elijah said to King Ahab and his Israelite subjects at Mount Carmel, How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answered him not a word. And after the 850 prophets of Baal revealed the utter powerlessness of their false idolatry, God used his faithful prophet Elijah to dramatically show a taste of the consuming power of Yahweh, the Lord, and then, Elijah ordered the seizure and execution of swift judgment upon the demonically sold-out spokesman of their wicked false god. There's a pattern here for us to see. It's a principle of God's character. And his character doesn't change. He's the same yesterday and today and forever, as it says in Hebrews 13. We should all realize that God does not love America more than any other nation or people. There are evil, idolatrous people infesting every corner of this fallen world. God's passion is to have America restored and led by a government of God-fearing law that does not openly oppose him. The good, humanitarian, and gospel outreach to people in darkness in the far reaches of the world by past generations of Americans has been eclipsed by the vile wickedness exported by our recent generations. Wickedness. But millions of God-fearing, honest citizens of America are now poised by Almighty God himself to reclaim this nation's legacy of goodness because of God's love for people in all nations. As a listener to this radio station you're probably far more spiritually mature than 90% of our fellow Americans who attend weekly church services. You understand the imperative of Romans 12, verse 2. We're commanded to not be conformed to this world or the ways of this present age, but to be transformed. And that doesn't just mean to be converted to Christianity. Paul is speaking to believers here. Believers. And that transformation happens by the renewing of your mind. That takes a commitment to a lifelong process of studying God's Word, thinking and meditating about it with your full mental engagement. Why? So, as it says there in Romans, 
that you may prove what the will of God is and that is always good and acceptable and perfect. That will is always good and it's always acceptable and perfect. Part of that will of God is to know that our Heavenly Father's will for his disciples is to have peace. Romans 8 verse 6 convinces us that confusion in believers has a clear cause. For the mindset on the flesh is death, but the mindset on the spirit is life and peace. Why? Verse 7 tells us because the mindset on the flesh, meaning carnal thinking, is hostile toward God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. This is not the path for a Christ follower. That's why Paul continues in verse 9, there in Romans chapter 8, saying, However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he doesn't even belong to him. Ephesians 4.15 urges us to all speak the truth in love. Why? So that we may grow up in all things into him who is the head, even Christ. Speak the truth in love. So that we may grow up. It seems that all too many congregations of Christian churches in America are sadly like the people Paul addressed in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 1, where it says, and I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. Does that remind you of that passage in Hebrews 5, verse 12? It says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. Let's recognize one of the first priorities for a spiritually mature assembly of Christ's followers when they meet for public worship. Along with entering God's courts with thanksgiving in our hearts and songs of praise to him on our lips, we're clearly urged to do something so that we can have a peaceful and productive life on this earth. What's that? 1 Timothy 2 verse 1 tells us, First of all, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people and, especially, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. Let's recognize something. In Bible times, common people had no option to participate in what we call politics, they were all subjects to a king with complete sovereignty over their lives. They were essentially like slaves to the crown. America, on the other hand, was established on the principle that we, the people, are the sovereigns. And as the sovereigns, we choose honorable magistrates to represent our interests on local and regional and national levels. That constitutionally agreed-upon republic can only be maintained by a God-fearing, and law-abiding citizenry that is personally involved in the day-to-day -day processes of governance. As America has prospered because of its founding on biblical principles, it has taken over a century for all but a remnant of the Christian patriots in this country to abdicate their responsibility to be the salt and the light in every area of our society. Thanks to the lack of perceptive spiritual leadership in our churches, 
It got to the point in recent decades where less than half the Christian population even voted in a general election. Now, because of the clear and present danger of the imminent loss of our personal liberties, that remnant is awakening. God in his mercy is granting his ecclesia, his true family of Christ followers, a chance to grow up, to do all the things that Christ commanded his disciples to do and to teach. The dualism and pietism that has ruled the thinking of many modern preachers is being revealed for the hypocrisy that it is. America's mission from her birth is to proclaim the gospel of the kingdom of Christ to the ends of the earth. Nothing has ever changed that. As Abraham was blessed to be a blessing, God's signal blessings on America are a vivid testimony of our legacy to bless the entire world. We're part of God's providential strategy to redeem our sin-sick planet. Abraham's righteous descendants gave us the Messiah, who redeemed us all by God's grace. America's calling is to advance the good news of our Messiah's finished work to the forgotten groups throughout the world. Nothing is hated by the devil and hell's demons more than this. What's that? America's calling. The calling to advance the good news of our Messiah's finished work to the forgotten people groups throughout the world. Only the children of Israel are loathed so intensely by God's enemies, including corrupted people who've sold their souls to the demonic spiritual principalities of the deep state. They will lose. As God gave seasons of restoration to Judah under good, God-fearing kings like Jehoshaphat, Hezekiah, and Josiah, God, today, is hearing the humble intercession of tens of millions of God-fearing patriots who love their country and are praying that he will mercifully restore and reestablish America as the resounding voice of his kingdom. There is no evil force that can stop that. Pastor Dutch Sheets of Texas has been offering a daily recorded prayer guide on GiveHim15.com since the election in November. It has blessed many people worldwide as all of us have been increasingly discovering the high-level widespread acts of corruption to swindle the American people from our freedoms. His January 18, 2021 episode is titled, My Anchor Holds providing much of the content that I want to share with you now. Pastor Dutch begins by sharing thoughts from a friend named Jackie, so I want to share those thoughts with you. And I'm going to add, take the liberty to add a few personal thoughts along the way that I trust will be insightful and encouraging. He writes, The apprehension and heartache that many of us are feeling over our nation has many causes. Gross social division in our nation on many fronts mostly aggravated by the mainstream media. Gross ignorance of our history, our Bible, and what our grandfathers called common sense. Now these are things that are causes for the apprehension and the heartache that many of us are feeling today. Social division, gross ignorance, but also vehement hatred of God and his values in the halls of government and in the streets. And add to that 
the hypocrisy and duplicity that's demonstrated by government leaders who excused and protected violence in the streets for months and then condemned and blamed President Trump and conservatives for the premeditated violence at the Capitol. Please understand that all of us praying patriots have nothing to do with criminal and seditious violence. We only speak of the hypocrisy demonstrated by outspoken leftist traitors of America's constitution of God-fearing law. And another thing, one of the things that grieves all of our hearts is the vilification and demonization of anyone who doesn't agree with the leftist liberal agenda. And another cause of all the, the confusion and the apprehension that we all feel is the consternation and irritation over the division and delusion among some believers who think supporting and voting for officials promoting anti-God and immoral policies is somehow okay. How do they do that? How do they authorize, even encourage, Christian voters to vote for people who are obviously and outwardly outspoken and against God, his word, and his kingdom. Our support of the president should have nothing to do with an illusion that President Trump is flawless or a perfect president. We all know he's not perfect and that God is our only true hope for salvation and deliverance. We have only one Savior and Deliverer, and that is Jesus Christ. There is no other. The burdens, the grief, and the passion of intercession that we all feel for our nation is an expression of several things. First, our love for the Lord and his desires for our nation stirs us to intercede for Americans to live in the fulfillment of his biblical intention for us. We should want to intercede for America, and we should want to do it regularly. We love our nation because of our passion to see the freedoms we have enjoyed secured for our children, our children's children, all those who come after us. It's about securing our nation from the tyrannies of anti-American sentiments, agendas, and actions that would strip us of our fundamental God-given freedoms. And we're committed to live fully for the Lord during our short time on earth. We pursue greater and greater measures of the culture of the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. We pursue that. Our passion and pursuit of God's purposes for this nation will never change. Our intercession and the work God has called us to will continue. As we launch into what is already becoming one of the most hectic weeks and historic weeks of our history, a great hymn I often sang as a child comes to mind. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. And this is the chorus from the popular hymn written by Reverend Edward Moat in 1834, almost 200 years ago. It comes from the parable Jesus told in Matthew 7, 24 to 27. He compares our ability or inability to receive his words by faith and find our life stability in those words. The song says, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. When darkness veils his lovely face, I rest on his unchanging grace in every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. In this last portion, 
I think is particularly relevant today. His oath, his covenant, his blood support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. As we move into a week of potential turmoil, we must hold fast to Jesus. Just as this hymn reminds us, we must fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. We must stir ourselves up in our most holy faith and believe that evil will not ultimately prevail. In 1 Kings 18, we see the famous challenge between Elijah and the corrupt immoral prophets of Baal. In the story, God uses Elijah to show Israel he is their true God. Yahweh's tremendous love for Israel and a firm commitment to the covenant he made with them moves him to display his justice with miraculous power to make it clear that he's the only true God desiring his people's full allegiance. Immediately afterward, though, Elijah, no doubt drained by the confrontation, falls into a deep depression, running away from wicked Queen Jezebel's threat to take his life. The Lord sends an angel to feed him and lovingly calls Elijah to himself. When Elijah gets to the place of meeting with God, the Lord says to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah winds back his answer to God, telling him about the challenges he's facing, crying because of carrying out God's will. The Lord answers Elijah in a profound display of his power and glory and then asks again, What are you doing here, Elijah? Pastor Dutch believes God was really asking Elijah, Have you, yourself, already forgotten who I am? Elijah is helped by the visitation, but his faith was still not fully revived. The battle against Jezebel is fierce. It caused even a prophet of Elijah's standing to waver. But we are an army. Christ's church today have the power of the Holy Spirit in us to fill our hearts with faith, and he fills our mouths with his anointed and empowered decrees. Do not let your faith waver now. Stand firm on the rock that is Jesus himself. See yourself covered in his precious blood, carrying righteousness and justice. No matter the storminess of the gale this week, our hope and anchor will hold. It's firm in the rock of our relationship and covenant in Jesus. We must not stop making the decrees he has given us to decree over this great nation. We must not lose our hope in him. As it says in Matthew 7, All who listen to my instructions and follow them are wise, like a man who builds his house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floods rise and the storm's winds beat against his house, it won't collapse, for it's built on a rock. But those who hear my instructions and ignore them are foolish, like a man who's built his house on, a, on sand, for when the rains and the floods come and the storms wind and beat against his house, it will fall with a mighty crash. Pastor Dutch received a text message last weekend from a friend who lives and ministers in Israel. He told the story with a prayer that they were instructed to pray in a desperate situation in Israel. I believe we should learn from their experience and pray this prayer. Here in Jerusalem in 2004, he wrote, After four years of suicide bombings, killing hundreds of innocent victims, we were crying out to God that he would bring injustice to an end. 
He revealed that we should pray for the occult shield of protection to be taken away from the main Islamic leader who was calling for the suicide bombings. After a dramatic answer to prayer, the voice of that Islamic terrorist leader was silenced. There were no more successful suicide bus bombings after that day. Here's the prayer, adopted or adapted to our current situation. So, Lord God Almighty, the Lord of the armies of heaven, I thank you for the power of the blood of Yeshua, Jesus, over all witchcraft and occult. We come before you now, covered by the blood of Jesus, and proclaim over the worldwide systems of evil, seeking to take control in America and in the nations. Let the occult shields of protection be taken away from everyone involved in theft, fraud, and corruption. May their occult shields of protection no longer be able to hide them from being exposed by the light. Let witchcraft manipulation be brought to an end in and over the Congress, the Senate, the White House, the Supreme Court, the FBI, the CIA, the Department of Justice, and over the state executives, courts, and legislatures, and over election integrity. As Joshua and Caleb proclaimed to the Hebrews who were intimidated by the giants, we say to all who are intimidated by today's giants, do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will devour them. Their protection is gone. Their protection is gone. Their protection is gone. But the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. We proclaim this in the mighty name of Yeshua, Jesus Christ. Amen. In 1 Chronicles chapter 28, verse 9, there's an admonition to young King Solomon. It certainly applies to us today. As for you, my son Solomon, know the God of your father and serve him with a loyal heart and willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands all the intent of the thoughts. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. You're probably very familiar with Psalm 37. Delight yourself in the Lord, he'll give you the desires of your heart. But oftentimes we forget to read the rest of the passage. It says in verse 7, Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who carries out wicked schemes. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret, it leads only to evildoing, for evildoers will be cut off. But those who wait for the Lord, they will inherit the land. Yet a little while, and the wicked man will be no more. And you will look carefully for his place, and he will not be there. But the humble will inherit the land, and will delight themselves in abundant prosperity. You can count on that. That's God's word to us and a promise that we can very much apply to the time that we're living in as we collectively seek God with all of our heart and seek his face, seek his presence, because he is a very present help in time of need. This is Dennis Peterson. I look forward to being with you next time.